Hey, I'm your host, Cyrus Slayman, and welcome to another episode of PM Hub Podcast Series, where we feature product leaders across the tech industry around the globe. Now, in this episode, we will talk about stakeholder management, uh, you know, especially for remote product teams, as you come across nowadays, you know, for product managers, we are responsible for the success and, you know, the failure of the products and the features we're shipping. And, uh, you know, we'll be handling, uh, you know, a different situation, dealing with executives, engineers, sales, marketing, it's tough to balance. And, you know, if you think you can keep them happy all the time, that's never going to be the case. You know, you have to be honest with them and you have to establish that trust. Uh, now, in order for us to get a better sense of how to go about it, I had a chat with uh, one of Toronto's senior product people, Stacey Firo, and she, stakeholder management is it's one of our superpowers. Uh, now, Stacey uh, is a people-first uh, product professional. She stumbled into uh, the Toronto tech scene over just a decade ago and never left. She co-founded Toronto chapter of Women in Product and is currently a senior product manager at Lobla Digital. Hey, Stacey, welcome to PM Hub. Hey, Cyrus, nice to be here. That's awesome, yeah. So Stacey, why don't you tell us a bit, a bit about yourself and your journey into product management? Sure, so um, I'm a senior product manager right now at Lobla Digital, uh, and my area of focus is our marketplace product. Uh, I also co-founded the Women in Product uh, chapter in Toronto. Um, how did I get into product was kind of by accident and happenstance. That's Well, that's kind of how I landed into tech. Um, I happened to join a startup really early in my 20s um, while I was at school, fell in love with the tech scene, uh, and I've been doing product for about five years. So before that, I was a project manager, uh, got into product by really realizing that product was what I wanted to do. Uh, project management was unfulfilling. I didn't care so much about shipping something on time, on budget, within scope. I cared more that I was building the right thing. And I realized that was product management. And so I just bugged people at my company that I wanted to get into product and seized an opportunity when it arose. I love that. And, and that's the journey of a lot of PMs, basically. You see the opportunity and uh, you take it on and yeah i guess that's pretty common across the board as well that you know uh, you you care about why you're building the product more than just like what you're building and like the whole project management piece of it right so yeah right on so right now you're at Lobla digital you mentioned and so i'm curious to know how remote was your team pre-covid stacy uh not remote friendly at all <laughs> so prior to joining Lobla digital I was at a company that was very remote friendly, like we had remote employees, uh, everyone had the opportunity to work from home twice a week. Um, so it was quite a culture shift for me that um, we weren't prepped in our conference rooms with um, web conferencing set up that was really easy and seamless to use. Um, it was, I found we often forgot about our remote employees at LD prior to this happening. Uh, it was always like, oh, yeah, we've got to dial someone in, <laughs> uh, which can be really alienating. And so I've found that this experience where um, everyone's remote has been the great equalizer. Um, I have a I had a great uh, colleague who um, at my old company who worked out in B.C. And he said 
if one person is remote, everyone needs to be remote or act like they're remote. Otherwise, that one person is super alienated. And um, it's really true because I see now that because we're all 100% a remote, it's really working effectively. So we haven't felt the pain. It's because all of us are in the same same boat. Hmm. That's very interesting you say it. And I'm, I'm sure you've brought uh, a lot in table, you know, because you used to be full remote and, you know, your current team were not remote at all. So I'm pretty sure you brought a lot from your past experience to table as well, right? Uh, so, somewhat, but I think actually the challenging thing is when you have, um, which is why I'm interested what will happen when we start to emerge from our, our full shelter in place mode uh, as technology workers, uh, because that will mean some of us may be remote, some of us won't be, and that's actually the hard part um, versus everyone being remote. Uh, yeah. Right. Right on. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. So let's jump right into the topic at hand, Stacey. So first, let's take it from the top. What is a product stakeholder? That's a great question. Um, a sta- stakeholders can be many, many things. They're 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 com. I mean, I guess when you like distill it, it's really the folks internally at your company that are working in other departments that care about what you're doing as a product manager. They care that you're driving towards the company vision and executive or executive teams care about that. Uh, They care about where you're driving the product forward in terms of features and the viability of the functionality that you're building. And that's like your sales folks. Um, You have customer support, the folks who care about like, what's the definition of the feature, exactly how it works. What are all the areas where customers will struggle? Um, Your internal stakeholders or anyone inside your company who care about what you're doing. the interesting thing that I bring in terms of my experience around stakeholder management is prior to Lava Digital, I worked in consulting. And so my stakeholders were clients. And I think that's where I've learned the most about stakeholder management because it's like stakeholder management on steroids. Because your clients are spending money, a lot of money, to get you to build products for them or, uh, or, or you know, investing in. Uh, your opinion on what direction their company should go in uh, or the direction of their product strategy. And so they have a lot on the line. And so they care a lot about what you're doing. Um, So they're the most demanding. And I think that's where I've learned really how to effectively manage internal stakeholders is from that that experience working with clients. And that's very interesting when you talk about, uh, you know, working with clients in the past and that kind of like, there's a lot on the line, as you mentioned, and you, you need to stay on top of it, right? So that's that's why it, it just like automatically you had to, I, I'm assuming you had to be more even proactive uh, about uh, what you're up to. So they're also on board with what you, with actually with where you're going, right? So yeah, exactly. It's like, you need to be over communicating all the time because mm-hmm. they care so much. Whereas like I found in the transition and or, or in my experiences working at product organizations, maybe your stakeholders don't care as much in the exact same moments you care, 
And that's a key distinction versus working with clients because clients like immediately care about what you're doing because they just spent the money to hire you to focus on this problem. Um, but it's all about the, the storytelling and the communication that you provide to your stakeholders that's going to bring them along the journey with you. It's the same good old money situation where, you know, when there's money and, and, you know, we're talking about money, then, you know, things all of a sudden become more serious, right? Exactly. <laughs> no, that's fair. So what are some important factors to consider when managing stakeholders, in your opinion? Um, I think to me, it's like, my philosophy about it and like what factors to consider are, are kind of summed up in three things. Trust, over communication, which I just mentioned, and empathy. So what you need to consider is like the human side of managing stakeholders. I think the main thing I want your audience to take away from this conversation is that this is a soft skill you have to invest in. It's not like someone can give you a playbook and say, here, follow these things. This is going to work every time. Every stakeholder group is different. You have to do the work of understanding who those people are. And the three ways you can do that is by building trust with them, over communicating to them. Even when you think you're communicating really effectively, stop yourself and say, maybe I'm not. I'm going to communicate again. I'm going to communicate so hard that they're going to like be nauseated by the mission that I just keep sending their way or the direction that we're going. Um, and of course, building empathy with their positioning. So it's all about, you know, building really, hu really strong uh, human bonds with your stakeholders, relating to them as individuals, first and foremost, and not just in relation to their roles, and their relationship to you as your role as a product manager, um, because that will go a long way in the long term in terms of them buying into your vision and whatever approach you're like driving towards. Hmm. Now, I love how you laid it out into three uh, different kind of sections, trust over communication and empathy. Now, on the empathy side, we're just talking about so you're so saying that it's they basically need to know where they're coming from and you have to kind of like connect with them and as a person and not just like you know this is my position this is your position uh you know and uh, kind of like this is how a kind of like working relationship you have to understand uh you know where they're coming from and but can you elaborate a little bit more like uh you, you are we talking about building a relationship with them you know or in terms of like you know to what extent would you go about you know building a relationship and trying to understand and empathize with them can you elaborate a little bit more yeah um i think it always starts like first your first interaction with any stakeholder so let's say you walk into a new job and your boss hands you, here's the list of the people you should talk to. Um, the first thing I did when I joined Blah Blah Digital, and the first thing I did when I worked with clients was have that one-on-one -on -one meeting and say, who are you? What's your world? What do you care about? And work as you're learning about what their role is, what they care about, that's where the empathy comes in, right? Because you need to have an understanding of what's driving them. What is their carrot? Because if you understand that, then you're going to get to a much more amicable relationship. Because I think the main thing people think about stakeholder management is that you're adversaries with your stakeholders. And 
while you're never going to please them all the time, you don't want to be a people pleaser. Um, and you're never going to make everyone happy. If you come from a place of saying, what's it like in their shoes? What's the carrot driving them towards success? You will build the bonds of a better relationship. And along the way, you should invest in learning more about them personally as a human, right? If they start talking about their job, you're like, what drives you? What do you do outside of work? Um, or listening as they're talking. If they mention a personal nugget, like remember that and follow up with them about it, right? It, it's just about providing a human touch to build a relationship. So like, Sirius, when you asked me to do this interview, you mentioned, oh, I just like landed a new contract, I'm starting a new role. When we we uh, jumped on the call before we started recording, I asked you immediately, how is that going? That's right. Like, you have to remember that you are not the center of your world. Um, the product manager sits at the center and has to pay attention to everything that's going on around them to be effective, to keep the momentum going. Like the analogy I always use when I talk to people who want to get into product is like, you are the axle at the center of the wheel. Like you're not driving it forward. You're not the thing keeping the, the thing up, but you need to be there in order for anything to propel forward. Um, so you really got to pay attention to what's going on around you. And um, that's about building relationships first and foremost and building trust. Because if you come in with a positive attitude and care about each stakeholder you have individually, as, as much as you can, because sometimes you're going to work at really large organizations and you cannot have that personal relationship one-to-one -one with every stakeholder. Um, but if you bring that attitude to every interaction, people are going to respond to you a lot better when you have difficult things to tell them. Because those hard right. conversations are always coming. <laughs> always. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I love how you, uh, the analogy, you use the axle at the center of the wheel. I'm going to remember that. That's so <laughs> true. <laughs> Uh, now, zooming into, thanks for unpacking on the empathy part. Now, zooming back to number one, trust. How do you go about building trust with stakeholders? So uh, I thought about this before, for, before jumping on this interview with you. And um, this is advice I got from one of my old bosses. And I never forget it when I'm going into any new situation, uh, particularly with a new group of stakeholders. And it's three things. Um, one is uh, start with that human bond, get to know someone on a one-on-one -on -one level, build that kind of like human-to-human um, -human relationship outside of your roles within the organization. Two is demonstrate like your bona fides, like, hey, here's my experience, here's what I've done in the past. I didn't get hired for any random reason. This is really good when you're starting a new company or you're introducing yourself to someone within your company for the first time, you can say like, hey, here's what I've worked on at Loblaw Blah Digital in the past. Um, here's where I've been successful. Here's where I've, I've failed. So demonstrating that you you know what you're talking about and you, you are the expert in your area of product. Um, and then three is get a quick win for them. Um, even if it's something super small. Uh, something I've learned at Loblaw Blah Digital is in building those kind of like quick wins with people is by listening to their asks. Um, for example, like I'm running an experiment right now, testing out a new feature. And um, at Lava Digital, my product sits on top of 
a platform that's shared by several businesses. So something I change could affect that other business. And so one of my stakeholders is like, I'm really worried that your experiment will impact our numbers. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm tracking guardrail metri metrics. Like, don't worry, I'm gonna make sure we're not upsetting the apple cart on that business. And she's like, well, actually in this like particular way, I'm wor worried about it. And so uh, if I didn't dive deeper and listen to her concerns, I may have missed uh, an opportunity to um, catch an issue when I was building this feature that could maybe over time have really hurt the business. If, if I let that experiment, if we like ran the experiment and successfully went and we launched this feature fully. So um, in terms of a quick win about building trust, it's saying like, hey, I listened to you. I heard what you're saying. I'm gonna come back to you with the results, uh, which I will be doing next week uh, as an example. So when I say a quick win, it doesn't have to be like, I've, increase our revenue by this really, really quickly within a month. It's even about like the small things that matter to that individual stakeholder. And that, like, that's what I mentioned earlier when I said like, what's their carrot? So if you know what's driving them and what metrics they're being measured against in terms of success, you'll be able to have a much more effective relationship and get small wins for them while still propelling yourself forward to what your own objectives are. Mm. No, I love that. I love how you clarified on that, and especially the last piece on you know getting a quick win. That's that's the that's the way to go about it. Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. Uh, so yeah. how like given like you're like pretty much fully remote right now. How how does your your approach to stakeholder management changes for remote product teams? So what's interesting is like it hasn't. <laughs> hmm. Um. I think what's interesting in my experience right now at Loblot Digital is I'm bringing uh, a bit of my consulting background to LD. We call it LD, Loblot Digital. If I say that, please like slap me, <laughs> internal speak. <laughs> um, I'm bringing a bit of that flavor uh, to internal stakeholder management. I think uh, I'm, I'm noticing in our culture, there isn't an expectation of overcommunication. And because I come from a space where it is required, bare minimum, to over-communicate, um, I'm doing that a lot. And the strategies with which I employ, or the tactics, I guess, that I employ to over-communicate really marry from whether I'm in-person or remote. So like very tactically specifically, I hold bi-weekly stakeholder syncs. Anyone who cares about what I'm working on on my roadmap right now can jump on, a, uh, can sit in on this regular call that's regularly scheduled, and I will say, here's where we're at with the roadmap. Here's what we're working on. Here's an experiment we ran. Here's what we learned from it. Here's some designs we're working on. Uh, here's a demo of functionality we've built, and they can see that on a regular basis. And those folks can jump in or jump out. And if they don't sit on that call, I have a Slack channel that I update. So whatever the bi-weekly update is, here's where we're at, here's where we're going, here's some fun updates in between that can keep everyone informed. And those strategies, or tactics rather, uh, apply whether you're remote or in-person. Because I actually think the wrong way to go about stakeholder management is to have one-on-one -on -one constant conversations. It's not effective for your time, and you're probably telling the story differently 50 times with each person that you're talking to. And that's not helping you as a product manager sell um, the strategy or the mission that's propelling the product forward. 
So mm. kind of like uh, ways that you can communicate communally to a large group of individuals um, and avoid side conversations is really the tactical way that I handle stakeholder management. And that works whether I'm at the office or whether I'm remote. Right on. Uh, so, you know, you mentioned you have different stakeholders, different types. There's executives, there's, you know, engineers, there's sales, there's marketing. Uh, and you touched a bit of, uh, on that, you know, you have to know what's their carrot uh, yeah. you know, how, and how you approach it. Uh, but if you want to dive deeper, uh, and talk about each of these, let's, let's say, uh, main ones that we're talking about, executives, engineers, sales, and marketing. How do you address, uh, you know, when you have like these meetings with them? How, how do you, can you, can you elaborate a little bit more? What areas would you focus of the product that you have uh, with each of them? Yeah. So I think this is where my approach will vary based on the context. So I try always first and foremost to communicate to as wide an audience as possible so that I'm not duplicating the information a million times because it's more effective time management for me. But on the flip side, when there are certain stakeholders who have very different needs, you will have to have those one-on-one -on -one conversations and tailor your communication to their uh, to their carrot, to like what drives them, to their concerns. So I think very tactically uh, what I've seen play out with the approach I take is that I communicate widely and then when there's individual concerns, I handle those aside um, so that I can dive deeper in with each of those different stakeholder groups to address their concerns one-on-one. Um, -on -one. Um, and and I will take that into consideration in terms of the approach we take going forward, right? Um, I think the main thing is that you don't want to miss a stakeholder group. So that's why I try to communicate to all of them at once, but then devote the time to listening to each individual group um, in terms of their needs so that nothing is missed in terms of what we need, you know, to go to market or where I need to rethink our approach to building a feature based on our product strategy or think about what the customer support needs are, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Does that kind of make sense? Mm -hmm. It's actually very interesting. I have never uh, came across, I heard about like, you know, uh, this approach, but now that you're kind of talking more about it, it does make sense that you first, because for me, like the way I was thinking, you know, with developers, you talk, you tell them, you know, what and why. They want to know why we should build this, right? You should never tell yeah. them how, but you will tell them why are we doing this. With executives, you know, they want to think strategy, they want to know roadmap, they want to know where you're going to be in like six months or something like that. Uh, so I, I thought maybe like even the metrics that you'd be using and the focus on the talk would be different for each of these kind of like stakeholder groups. But now that you mentioned about, you know, you, you first uh, widely communicate with all of them. And, I, and I'm assuming, you know, you keep it at a high, high level as, as much possible. You don't get into too much details. And then later on, with each of those different groups, you address their specific, you know, KPIs and concerns separately. Yeah, I, I want to clarify, I think, you know, um, when you're talking specifically strategy, yes, you, you have that one on one conversation um, with your executive team. Uh, when you're talking and you're actually solutioning with engineers, um, that is a separate conversation. But I'm talking about instances where, 
you know, someone just cares about like, what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing to take your product forward? Um, everyone can benefit from that kind of narrative and uh, everyone, like a wide audience could benefit from updates to that. Cause it's not just one and done, right? I think that's, that's, that's probably the part I'm not explaining really well, which is you have to over communicate regularly. <laughs> I think that's actually why this is a topic that's hard. Um, and it's hard because you have to practice it constantly. You don't just say like, hey, well, here's my email update and like walk away. Um, or here's like, I booked a biweekly meeting, but I'm not gonna set an agenda and I'm not gonna think about my approach to telling my narrative to what kind of audience is in the room. You have to really flex that muscle to think like, what am I doing? How am I doing it? Am I getting people to follow the, 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 the mission I'm on? You kind of you need to be a Pied Piper. And the song you sing with your, with your flute um, will, will tell you whether you're being effective at getting buy-in and people are following you. Um, and so you have to do that by regularly playing that flute. And it, sometimes it's not comfortable, um, which I think is why this is an, a, a topic that people struggle with because it's really uncomfortable to over-communicate, to feel like you're repeating yourself constantly. But to the people who are listening to you, you're probably not repeating yourself constantly. You just feel that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of why I think it's, it's, it's hard. It's because you really got to flex the muscle constantly and like to, to not to like beat a really overused adage, but like you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm. I think, I think that was the biggest takeaway of today's uh, podcast, uh, is that what you mentioned, I think that's a secret sauce, basically as much as uncomfortable it is at some time, at some point, sometimes it actually might feel that way. But, but by just like having that extra layer of transparency, uh, you know, across the board, then and you, you might think as you call it over communicating, but it's, it's just kind of like basically going to, uh, you know, keep, keep the whole kind of like, you know, this is where the whole vessel is going, guys, right? So, and then if you want to get more details, you would have like all these one-on-ones, right? So thank you so much for unpacking that for us. Uh, yeah, I, think, no. I was going to say one more thing is uh-huh. about um, being like over communicating may make you feel uncomfortable. I think the other thing that potentially can make people uncomfortable at stakeholder management is about being questioned. And you really have to allow yourself to be vulnerable to over communicate so that you can be questioned in a group. So I think the way people approach it and why I like um, getting like a huge group of people in a room to question me is I should feel like my feet are to the fire. Um, and they should question like, I don't agree with your strategy. Here's why that's feedback I need to be a better product manager. Maybe they're wrong, but it's feedback I need to sit sit and consider. Um, so I think that's kind of like the second side of like, what's, what's uncomfortable about stakeholder management. One is that like, you feel like you're constantly repeating yourself, but two, it's the fact that you could be questioned a lot more. Yeah, no, that's fair. And I think if I'm not mistaken, Jordan Peterson also, when I remember once listening to one of his podcasts and he was just explaining his approach to writing books and he would 
like write a piece and he would go over it over and over and over again from different angles and you know viewpoints how would this kind of person would see it and then what kind of questions would they have so he would do it actually proactively but what you're saying in a sense also does make a lot of sense because at the same time as much as you could be proactive about it and ask yourself those questions there are still those blind spots that you know only these different stakeholders can actually bring up for you right so that's a great point that's a great point that you're discussing. That's amazing. Cool. So, uh, yeah. So, in terms of like now, this is the kind of uh, kind of my own favorite question here is that you know, in, in terms of like setting boundaries, you know, we talked about it. You know, you can't be a yes man. You know, you don't want to be a yes man because that that's not how it works. You can't say yes to all the feature requests that comes along the way. At the same time, you want to still engage your stakeholders, right? So where do you set the boundaries, Stacey, between these? There's a couple of ways to to approach this. And um, um I've I've found this in my consulting background and one of my awesome colleagues at Loblaw Digital um, does this as well, which is explain what a product manager does when you're working with a new stakeholder for the first time or a stakeholders who are not familiar with product. Um, if you explain what a product manager's goal is to them, they have a better sense of boundaries. Because I think when we talk about boundaries, we often think, um, I'm not a yes man. I'm not a task taker. Just because you asked me does not mean we will magically build this feature. Um, so setting that precedent up front by explaining like, here's what I'm hired to do. Here is how I am successful. Just as you ask your stakeholders, like what's the carrot driving you, you should be explaining to them what the carrot is that's driving you as a product manager. Um, and if you set the tone around those boundaries, um, the hard conversations that come down the line are going to be easier. Um, again, I go back to like my consulting experience because it was so inform like informative for me on my approach to stakeholder management. I found that every time I engage with a new client on a new project, the earlier I set that uh boundary or I set that expectation of like this is what I'm here for I'm here to build the best product for your customers not you that's the conversation that needs to be had and you don't have to say it aggressively you don't have to say it so like bluntly or directly but that's the conversation you have to have up front um, to say like that's what's driving me as a product manager that is what my definition of success is in my role um, and we're going to work together to make sure we're delivering the most value to our customers. Um, and that's how you define boundaries. And that goes back to what I was saying before about having uncomfortable conversations. Those are hard conversations to have. Um, and the sooner you can have alignment with your stakeholders around um, what your job is to do, like what your job, what your job is, what drives your success as a product manager, the easier it is to argue or discuss what's a priority or not down the line. Hmm. No, I love that. I love how you put it and, you know, just it's a two way, right? It's, the, it's, it's a product management, you know, just it to a lot of, you know, uh, 
to a lot of folks they don't even know it hasn't been existent just be honest like you know yes. there's no there's no official you know uh degree in, in universities i guess up, up until maybe very recently so right. it's a very new field and that's a great point that you're bringing up uh about just like you know say this is what i'm doing right and just be upfront about you know this is how things might go down this is my perspective and uh so they're more clear on that sense as well right so that's a great point definitely uh, and especially like yeah. if you're at um you know an organization where product is a new discipline because someone hears product manager and they go project manager right <laughs> and like no <laughs> No, that's not what I do. And you cannot assume that they know. And um, often the way I broach that in those conversations is like, I'm going to explain to you what my job is. Do not take offense if you know, but I'm going to say it out loud so that we're on the same page. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you, mm-hmm. you, you definitely need to um, have that conversation. <laughs> whether someone is versed or they think they are versed in product or not. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So now, you know, you know, stakeholder management in some cases, in often cases, actually, let's say due to many reasons is highly underrated skill. You know, it's not as sexy as a framework that you would use uh, all those cool acronyms and everything else. And it's all often overlooked. Why do you think that's the case, Stacey? So this is like a particular bee in my bonnet in general um, around bringing new um, people into the product craft. I think um, a lot of meetup groups or like speaking opportunities lean on the quote unquote hard skills or like the frameworks. The like, this is how you do product strategy. This is how you do user research. This is how you work with engineers or like frameworks to work with engineers, or (laughs) here's how you do agile. But I actually think the most important thing you need to be a successful product person is a key set of soft skills, which this falls under. Um, And I think uh, there's a certain subset of people who believe that product is foundationally based on soft skills. but it's not as fun a topic to talk about, probably because I think your audience will hear this too. Like I'm talking in hypotheticals and adages and like there is no tactical takeaways um, to to start using tomorrow. You know why? Because you just gotta try and do. <laughs> like I'm not telling anyone anything new. Um, it really, like learning the best stakeholder management is by talking it out with other people. Um, do and then say, hey, peer, or like, hey, boss, hey, manager, here's how I handle this advice. And you have to kind of continually doing that. And that's about like going back to getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Again, like a, a very like blanket <laughs> adage statement that that doesn't seem really uh, tangible or something that's like a clear takeaway. Um, and I think that's why it's underrated is because there's no way to measure it. Um, it's something you just have to kind of like get better at over time by pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. That's mm. a that's a great explanation. It clearly shows that you've thought about this a lot. Oh, I have. <laughs> I have. As someone who like uh, like I love product and I love talking about product, like I find that I don't get a lot of speaking opportunities because the parts of product that I actually am most passionate about are the soft, squishy 
soft skill stuff, like the human human side to to product management, which no one wants to talk on that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I totally see that. And you know what? That's that's a key, I guess, differentiator between a product manager and a product leader. You know, product management, as you start off by, you know, all those features, specifications, delivery, you know, voice of a customer and getting good with data and, you know, user experience and all that kind of jazz. Uh, you know, that's on the product management side. But then if you want to become a product leader, th- then these product soft skills that you mentioned, you know, like stakeholder management, they become more important, right? So that's also, I think, the big piece that a lot of PMs might be missing out. Uh, that hey, if you wanna, you know, you know, what guy you here wouldn't necessarily get you there. You know, there's a whole different skill sets that you know it's needed to get from a product manager to a product leader, right? I kind of actually disagree. I, huh. I I think you absolutely need these soft skills at the beginning of your career because you need the time to foster them. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. I meant too. I mean, I don't, uh, I, I want to say that you know it sh- should be ignored, like product management. Uh, I should say that by by beginning, it's a leadership role, right? In, even as an associate uh, product manager, APMs, you are a leader, but in your own area, right? So yeah. maybe I have to rephrase what I meant is like you definitely. Uh, need to have these skills from a get-go, but the importance of them as you get more senior, uh, you know, in your product management journey, it becomes even more and more important, you know, as compared to just like, write, you know, writing user stories and like features and like all that kind of stuff. That's what I'm Yeah, prioritizing requirements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you're right. Absolutely. Okay, cool. So... Now, I like this uh, discussion. Now, what are some uh, resources uh, that you suggest our listeners to check out, you know, to, to be a better, you know, uh, be better at, you know, managing stakeholders, Stacey? Okay. So um, I'm going to say that, Sirius, you sent me questions before we jumped on uh, jumped on this call to be interviewed. And I was, like, stuck by this question because I was, like, I don't know any resources. <laughs> I, I sold myself as someone who was like, I'm really good at stakeholder management. And everything I learned was by doing and mm-hmm. asking people around me for advice, feedback, and iterating on that feedback. So prior to this, to this call, I like crowdsourced um, through my, my peers at Law Blah Digital if they had any suggestions around resources for um, dealing with stakeholders. Uh, and a couple couple things people pointed me to would be um, the Silicon Valley Product Group, uh, which would be an article by Marty Kagan on stakeholder management. So quite a few years old, but staple. I think anyone listening, if they're not yet familiar with Marty Kagan's writing, uh, it's a staple. Uh, and then another one that I got pointed to was a Medium article called The Ultimate Guide to Stakeholder Management for PMs, which was pretty comprehensive around uh, different kinds of strategies. But I think mostly my personal advice is you can only learn by doing and then soliciting feedback, just like you build, measure and learn with your products, build, measure and learn, uh, like apply that um, strategy to your own craft. Mm-hmm. And be super self-aware, because I think that's the, just the best way that you you get better at it. Mm-hmm. Just go about it, you know, just like how you build a product, you know, you fail, fail often, get feedback, reflect on it and, you know, just keep improving on that. Right. Exactly. Be super self-aware because it's mm-hmm. it, it's how you improve your craft and your career. Exactly to your point earlier that soft skills like these are your path into leadership. 
And so if you if that's where you see yourself going, invest now, invest early in um, strengthening that muscle. Mm -hmm. I love that. So so uh, thanks so much, Stacey. What, what's what's next for you and your team at DLD? Um, for me, this is a pretty packed second half of our our year. Um, for us on our marketplace product, we are really looking at building a seamless user experience that aligns all of um, our offerings to customers uh, uh, in one web or one user journey across web and mobile, um, which sounds seamless, but uh, we have a pretty like not a perfectly seamless experience right now with our marketplace product. So that's my that's my big challenge is is how do we bring our marketplace product more to the forefront of our Loblaw customers' mindset as one additional value proposition for shopping with Loblaw. So growing that business is my focus for this year, taking us from 1.0 to 1.1, 1.2, 1.3. Right on. Right on. Cool. And last question, Stacey, share with us, if you'd like, your top quarantine tip. Okay, my my one top tip is exercise, which is not anyone's favorite thing, I think. Um, and I know it's hard for a lot of people right now. You're like glued to your laptop many hours a day, but I found it's the best way for me to stay sane. I get up early, I work out, I go for a walk around my block, have my coffee, and then I'm plugged in for the day. Um, and I found that's the best way to keep me sane. Amazing, amazing. Stacy, thanks again for being on PM Hub and sharing your tips on stakeholder management. Thank you, Cirrus, for having me. It was a pleasure. There you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's session with Stacy Fear on stakeholder management for remote product teams. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at PMHubTO. And until next time, stay safe and healthy.